Well, welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 82nd episode of the podcast where we get a chance to talk to current head coach at Salem University, J.T. Heenan. Coach Heenan is the current head coach at Salem University where he took over during the summer of 2020, which we all know the challenging time he had to take over in 2021. Uh, prior to that, he was served as the assistant coach and recruiting coordinator from 2019 and 2020 seasons, where he also, before even that, he previously served as the assistant director of operations at West Virginia. During his time at West Virginia, he was also the grad assistant coach, where that's during that time they gained a regional berth into the NCAA Division I championship for the first time in 21 years. Former Mountaineer catcher, He's also served and did some work with PBR, Prep Baseball Reports, as the advanced scout and director for PBR during the 2017-2019 seasons. Coach Keenan, uh, Heenan, um, man, we went, we went through a ton of stuff. We went through a ton of stuff during this from talking about his culture, talking about his time for PBR, talking about um, what that, what those events and what those things meant for him as a coach then is what they mean for a coach now. I thought that was great, great perspective. Um, led us through his culture binder and what he's trying to do to build a culture there at Salem and the great work that he's doing there. The the, the benefits of Division Two and the rosters that they can do, Division Two versus Division One. people don't really know that. There's um, a great depth into that. He talks about... Um, how he's quantifying and measuring an offensive player and everything they're doing in the play, really just to kind of define success inside their program and doing that and getting guys to buy into that. Uh, just does a great job of, of filling those things out and touch talking talking baseball and, and talking really how he's done it. Really just opened up to a lot of things that he's doing from his personal growth month, personal personal growth Mondays for his team, as well as just the whole curriculum that they have that they have created inside their culture binder. So uh, many more things where that came from, from his hitting journal and, 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 and pitching journals and, and feedback form they're doing. It's just really great stuff. Um, and I can't wait to get into it with Coach Heenan. So, again, thank you enough. Thank you, Coach Heenan. Also can't thank those guys at Netting Pros as well. Um, Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Will Miner, the guys at Netting Pros, man, specialize in design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact Will Miner. Contact the guys at Netting Pros at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Guys, continue to do it right and get involved in every aspect of the game. So thank you guys for that. Appreciate you. Uh, love being part of the Netting Pros family. Well, give me a chance to go out and talk to great guys like Coach Heenan. Um, so... Great stuff, like I said, a full thing of from his culture all the way down to how he's programming for his different buckets of hitters. Um, got into all that, too. So we, we dive into a good bit of stuff, and I know you guys are inter- and love it. Uh, be sure to check out the notes on Podbean. The notes are definitely all there. I know most of the guys are checking out through uh, just the podcast through a- Apple, but the uh, if you take take the notes, and the notes are there, they're on Podbean. So Coach Enan can't thank you enough. 
Here he is, head coach at Salem University, Coach J.T. Heaney. PBR, I had a great experience with it. Um, but like you said, I, I had no idea how any of that worked until I was fully in it. So, I mean, right. like my first, my first showcase ever was the first one I worked. I never, you know what I mean? Like I never yeah. attended one. I never, so I mean, it was, and so, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you see, you go to that. And so my impression was, you know, every kid here is going to be like a top level player. You know what I mean? Like my, my thought process was if you're on a travel team or you're a, go to a showcase, you're like a legitimate division one prospect. When in reality, all it is, is a platform. It's, you know what I mean? That's all, that's all it is. And it's a, it's a really good platform, but it's a lie detector too. So, I mean, you can, you can go to a PBR showcase and learn, like, I'm going to learn if you, if you throw 78, but you text me that you're throwing 86, that's what PBR does for me. You know what I mean? Like you got to go ball out at a showcase um, because that platform is going to either tell the truth or be a lie detector for you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go look and be like, Hey, you might be telling me that you're 86, but the last time you threw and it was certified, it was not that. Um, yeah. But I also, what I liked about PBR as a coach, like looking at it more so as a coach was um, it gave me a platform as well to, to educate these kids, you know, like, because I had experienced just recently experienced it as a player and now being a coach, it was like, Hey, you need to be prepared when you go to these showcases. You also need to like run on and off the field. You know what I mean? Like little stuff like that. But like, when you have like, for example, I was at one event and they had cages available. I'm like, like before they hit, you know, and the showcase was like, you guys need to be over here, like preparing to hit as opposed to just standing there for 45 minutes. So like I'd coach those guys up where like catchers are catching balls from the outfielders. And rather than just doing it as like nothing, like teaching them how to properly catch at the plate, because if you have a coach there and I'm, if I'm watching a catcher and he's making like a, my uh, mundane task into like an opportunity to get better that's appealing you know what I mean so because again at the end of the day you have at those showcases you have like anywhere from two to four hours in front of coaches and on video to like make a statement that like hey you should recruit me um so any opportunity I feel like is a you know you got to find them within that time frame but but yeah just to wrap it I, I really liked my experience with PBR um and I think it's growing. Like, I think it's, it's, it's far better than where it's in a much better place now, even from when I was there, um, just with what they can do. Oh yeah. It's definitely growing. Even with the, I think what they just did the Juco, they just had a Juco relationship. They just nailed it up and mm -hmm. doing that now. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, and that's it's, what Juco um, needed. Yeah, no, for sure. Cause there's, well, that's another thing. Like, I, I mean, you know, like I'm, rec I recruit a lot of Juco players too, but I mean, like you've been on that side of it. Like, I, like sometimes you can't find anything on JUCO guys. Like I'm like fight, you know, I'm trying to go through websites and, you know, the NGA CC um, website. And like, sometimes the stats aren't updated correctly. Sometimes the schedule's wrong. Um, my best source is the kid. Like if I get their cell number, um, but what kid's going to be like, yeah, I was terrible. You know what I mean? Or, oh, these, you know what I mean? Like, well, like I, I would be right. smarter than that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um and like access to video but now like pbr like we like i said they're gonna they're gonna give a better like just better representation of those kids oh yeah um so, so yeah and like you sure. said it's it's the lie detector you know because it's all what i'm nice about pbr is like and a lot of this they're non-biased like it's just like no doubt you are who you are and it is what it is we're here to see you and then 
to scout different events. And I think it's them. It's so smart to get on the PBR Juco level, you know, and what they're doing. Yeah. They're like, oh my, like those kids will be dying to give out, you know, even more exposure. You're getting two, basically two more years of exposure in their showcases, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with tying into PBR. So it's very smart. Because what, because what I found with Juco, it's the coaches that are usually the more vocal or their players, their players get better opportunities. You know what I mean? Like the coaches that are willing to talk at 9 PM, you know what I mean? With me. And I'm, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not Alabama or Vanderbilt. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a, right. you know what I mean? I mean, I'm a small D2 and they're willing to talk to me. Like I have a, like, I'm going to go get his guys as opposed to if there's a coach I email and I don't hear anything. Like it's just, so with PBR, like, I think that's going to take some weight off those guys' shoulders for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another another way to validate stuff too. Because like you said, a lot of those guys are doing it on their own. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of them are. I know there are some really mm-hmm. good coaches who've got good relationships, but for the most part, those guys are doing it on their own. And PBR helps with that, you know, and definitely validates. Because like you said, they're not going to say they're bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, but that's the other thing. Like, I mean, you got to tell the truth, but right. Um, you don't want to throw your guy under the bus. I mean, I've heard, you know, the best thing for coaches like, hey, like this is just. Like I ask questions, they just give me black and white answers because as you know, too, with division two and division three, like we can, we don't have to hit on every guy. You know what I'm saying? Like they can be like, Hey, this guy, he's not where he needs to be to compete for you, but he works really hard or he's a great kid. Like I can take a chance on that kid as opposed to a D one, because I don't have like the roster restrictions they do. Whereas mm-hmm. like there's, there's, there's always going to be two or three guys every year that like, it essentially it was like a coach was like, Hey, take a chance on this guy. You won't regret it. Cause he's a great kid. And it, there's always two or three of those guys that come in and end up having a huge impact because we can just develop them. And if they buy in, there's a chance they perform. But if they buy in and they don't perform, at least they gave everything they had and they got to be a part of a program. But whereas like Division One, when you you can only have 35 guys, like you can't miss. You know, like I think that's that's an advantage in my opinion to Division Two and Division Three is you yeah. can have a bigger roster. So. I think that's valuable information. Like that right there is gonna be the price price of what it is, man. Like D one can only have thirty five roster spots, and how Division two, Division three, those those rosters allows you to give a chance on a kid. I think that's pretty. Awesome. Yeah, well, it it also depends on how you look at it. Like some, like if you're a kid that like you believe that you need, if you're gonna go to D two or D three, like so you finished like your senior year and you had a really good year. Well, I want to go to like a mid major or a power five. And that doesn't work out for you. And you think, well, if I go to a D2, I can start. Well, as you as you know, I mean, there's 22, 23-year-olds that are seniors at Division twos, regardless if they're a good Division two or a bad Division two or a good D3, bad D3, that they would go and play at a really high level at Division one because they've been in yeah. college baseball for three to four years. So, and, and it's just like any other thing, if you go, like any other sport, you go in and like you're not going to be at a different speed. So, but if you're a player... And you're like, hey, I want a better opportunity to play um, right away. Yeah, Division Two is a better option, but that expectation comes with a lot of weight. Where mm-hmm. you gotta, you're gonna have to really figure it out in the fall. You're gonna have to earn the respect of your teammates and your coaches really fast, even though it's not the Division One level. And but the other side of it is you're competing potentially against rather than 34 other guys at the Division One level, you might be competing against 60 other guys at the Division Two level. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. because you have these bigger rosters, um, but you also can have like a developmental squad or JV. But at the end of the day, it's still a challenge. But I, I truly believe 
we're playing with house money at the division two right now because I can have a bigger roster. I can develop players on, you know, like my time and they can still earn scholarship. And I mean, whereas division one, I, I think you're going to see it come break time. Like these schools, there's 45 guys on rosters right now. They have to cut 10 guys in two months. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not easy to do. No. Um, so whereas we, we can, you know, if we have injuries and, you know, guys don't perform as the best they can, I'm going to have a viable option to bring someone else in. Mm. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I remember talking to Andrew Wright with Charleston. You know, they were just so big into that development stuff, you know. Like, so is that something that is your – you foresee, like, what you're trying to do with your program? You're trying to de- you know, create, like, a developmental program? Absolutely. I mean, it's – it's to me, that's probably the, the primary, like, object – like, the thing I spend the most time on with my job is retention. So, like, how can I keep a kid here? You know what I mean? Like, that – and that – so – how that works for me is I need to program independently for each guy. Like they need to, they need to know. So on their side, they need to know where to be, what BP group they're in, what throwing program they have, what stretch routine they have, the strength program. Um, you know, I, I even write down when their classes finish. Like I have all that listed because then every guy has, you know, a valuable experience. Like they're not just like, Hey, just show up and maybe you get reps because whether your number, your player number one or player, you know, 50 you need to be give the equal opportunity because player 50 very well could be pitching for you in the eighth inning in a big game you just don't know because it's the fall but if i don't give them the same amount of opportunities i don't know either um so that's the way we look at it is is we're gonna have we're gonna have big numbers um and we're gonna provide you with like all the resources of like development and you're gonna know you're gonna have you know have like a daily binder. You're gonna have culture meetings. You're going to get video work done. Um, you're gonna have an opportunity to hit in our indoor facility throughout the day. Um, you're gonna have BP plans set up for you. And then for me, it's a lot easier because I have all that set up in practice. I can let my assistants work. I can coach guys up, and then we can evaluate. Like every week, we make lists of like who we think, like where they're at. Like well, we literally have four lineups. We literally have a pitching, pitching like numbers, who's performed. Uh, so what that's done for us, um, is, in my opinion, it's given us a chance to keep more of those guys. You know what I mean? So if I, even if, if I had 24 players, but I didn't plan for them and make them feel valued, I wouldn't keep them. Whereas I, if I have 50 um, and they all, every single one of them feels valued, I might get the best out of a kid who's never been pre-exposed to any of all that information or coaching. And now they're end up being a really like a great player for us. A, a perfect example is we have a kid from lost Creek, West Virginia named Brandon gray, who is now a scholarship player who last year, I kid you not. And, and if he hears this, he'll probably be mad at me, but he couldn't hit the ball out of the turtle last year. Like we'd have the machine. We'd have the machine at like a hundred plus all the time. We still do it. Um, and he couldn't get the ball out of the machine. He, he really struggled with like, it was a lot, the game was just a lot faster for him because he was from a small high school in West Virginia. Yep. And he, he just put his head down and worked and he's literally a sophomore. He's the captain of our team. And I, he's going to start somewhere because he, 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 you can't get him out. He, he's the first one there and the last one to leave. And he's our best defensive player. He might play center field. He might play second base. I don't know, but it's, mm-hmm. he's a, he's the prime example. Of, and he's put on 20 pounds because he was like 120 pounds. when He got there. He's a prime example of, hey, I, I put the work in, I've invested in the, you know, the resources, 
and now I'm reaping the benefits. Whereas there's, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's a number of guys who you give them all that and they're like, Hey, this isn't for me. And it's like, that's okay. But you know, um, I, I, I really like it because it's, I think there's a lot of, like, I get an opportunity to cast a wider net with like my, uh, impact on kids, as opposed to if I only have 35, um, I can't miss. And that, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's not as beneficial at this level. Yeah. It makes, it makes, it makes recruiting pretty, a lot more pressure, mm-hmm. you know, for sure on that, you know, and then you got to let a guy loose, you know, you got to cut a guy loose and things like that. How do you manage the, like a staff, you know, with like, do you, so do you like with your staff and cause I know how, how it is tough with, yeah, I mean, tr- what, just with the budgets and stuff like with your coaches, like, yeah. how do you manage the staffs with having a developmental team too? Um, so we have, uh, just like our staff now, I have a, Cassidy Gaines is my associate head coach and recruiting coordinator. He works with our pitchers. So he's full time. I brought back a former player. Um, he's, he's a, he's part time paid assistant position. Um, and he's, he works with our infielders and helps with our hitters. He's phenomenal. And then I have, uh, two graduate assistant coaches oh, and a volunteer and a volunteer assistant. Um, so we don't, we haven't like, we don't completely split our team in like, Hey, you're, you're varsity or JV. Cause we want to give ample time throughout the fall, um, to evaluate. Cause we chart all that, like pretty much everything. Um, but what we do is we just, we, we schedule them as a group and then come springtime, um, the four, like, like my two GAs, my volunteer and our part-time, they'll travel with the JV team and they'll manage that group. Um, and then like coach Gaines and I will do like they so say like the JV team was playing on a Monday, we would coach Gaines and I would stay with the non JV guys and they would go play. Uh, so it's twofold. It gets those, obviously those JV guys opportunity to play and compete against other teams. But uh, for my coaching staff, it gives, you know, coach Suarez and coach shooty and coach friend and coach Freeman an opportunity to manage a game. Whereas I know this from experience, you know, there's a lot that comes to being a head coach where if you have any any experience prior to the game one of your head coaching career where you get to compete against someone and manage where it counts, um, that's extremely beneficial. And plus it's a resume builder for them where they can say, Hey, I went and managed a college baseball game. Um, or I ran a, you know, ran our pitching staff or, um, so we just, I just essentially listed out roles of every, every coach and was like, this is what you need to dominate within our staff. Um, and it's worked out really well thus far. Um, but I think part of that too, is we're O and O right now. I think if, you know what I mean? It's sometimes things get a little tougher when things aren't going your way. Like you said, when adversity hits, but our staff this year has done a phenomenal job of just dominating any task that we, we give them. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I think it's great because, you know, I just know, you know, my buddies at Shepard, you know, Shepard's pretty close to me and, and just how they're really limited with their staff. So it sounds like, you know, you've got some good flexibility there where you're able to do those things as well. Well, yeah, part of that comes, to, comes with it, like the having numbers. I mean, if, if I only had, you know, if I had 30 players, I don't think I would be, have the staff I would have right now. Right. You know, so. Yeah, it's awesome. Now you said you're, oh, no, because that's because with COVID and everything, you guys weren't able to do it last, last year. What's that? Is that what said you're an O and O right now? Because like what it is right now? Yeah, I was saying you know you know everyone's bought in until you know sometimes when like a guy's every guy thinks they're a starter right now is what I'm saying or every it's easy to 
it's easier to do all those little tasks whenever, you know, if you're not losing games or guys aren't playing is what I'm saying. And as you know, that, you know, it's not easy to Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely a different story when that lineup gets posted, you know, and yeah. you see where guys are. So how do you got, how do you manage that coach? Like, how do you like, how will you go ahead? Like, so will you have like exit meetings here at the end of fall when you kind of get to see guys, you know, say, Hey, here's mm-hmm. where I kind of see you or, or will you kind of wait to say, Hey, are you still a developmental guy? You got a red shirt guy. Mm-hmm. Like, will those meetings, will those meetings come out at the end of fall? Yeah. So we, we meet. So as soon as they get on campus, we meet with every guy individually when they get here. Um, and we go over like academic goals, uh, goals on the field. So guys who were there last year, we review what their goals were over the summer. Um, so, and then we go through the fall. We, you know, we'll send out our data throughout the fall, such as like quality bats or, you know, like pitching, pitching results, uh, like kind of like a chart as like where velos and stuff at and pitch efficiency. And then like at the end of the fall, uh, we'll meet with them again and go through, okay, where are we at with our goals? Um, and then we go over like what they need to accomplish over the winter. And then we also, we just have a, you know, a plain conversation with them. Like, Hey, this is where I see you're at right now. Um, so for example, there's some guys where it's like, Hey, um, I don't, if I'm making a lineup right now, you're not in it, you know, or some guys it's, you know, you have to lose 30 pounds before I can consider playing you because you can't, you're not effective at the weight you're at. Some guys it's, you're not effective in the zone. This is the, this is like the the plan us coaches came up with to help you over break. And when you get back that we think can help you be more effective. So it, it's just having, I think the data we have, the staff we have uh, using the video um, and then just constantly communicating with our players. So, I mean, like if we have like hitters meetings and we have hitters journals, I can get an inside look at what our hitters are thinking and what they need constantly, because I'll just, we'll just look at their hitters journal. Uh, we'll go over like what they're thinking of their bats, what routines they're developing, what they're like, we'll go through their video. Um, and same with pitchers. Like we video every bullpen. Therefore it's not like a surprise to us when a guy comes into us like, Hey, I don't, I don't think I'm doing this. We're constantly attacking that with them. But then, like I said, just the bit, our biggest thing is developing through this whole fall. And then at the end of the fall, we sit down and say, where are we at? Um, attack it over break and then you know hopefully come back in the spring and just compete and see who can play um and I, i'm a big believer too if you've earned it in the fall you've earned the right to fail in the spring so like mm-hmm. if you've if you've been our best hitter all fall and you've been our best hitter leading up to the spring like the season and you go oh for your first eight i'm not sailing the ship on you you know what i mean i'm not hey this guy can't play i mean he might have had one bad day you know it's been it was a double header excuse me so um I think just the, what's really helped me is I have my background in special education is making everything measurable. Just anything that I can't now the culture stuff, you know, obviously you can't measure all that, but if I can make it measurable and I can give them routines and give them data, it helps my job. Like if I'm writing a lot, like for example, last year writing the lineup to start the season, I was like fighting myself as to who to start this guy, this guy, or this guy. So I just went back and looked at all my information. I was like, well, this guy has had 10% better quality at bats the whole time he's been here. So they, it, it that that's been our our process since day one here, um, and then we even took it to the next level this year. Though we chart like, you know, who comes to class early. Um, we chart who has their binder done. Uh, we chart like 
like like uh, who gets juice boxes at the end of practice who who's um you know uh, what's another like who has the most quality at bats so then we really take it to the next level where it's not just measuring like results physically it's like who's the guy who's most bought in mentally in the things within they can control um because that's the guy at the end of the day that we can count on we can trust mm-hmm. juice box after practice yeah yeah that's uh what's that for um so uh like like we talked a little bit ago like you said like the pace stuff uh to me it's it's reinforcing the last pillar of our culture which is energy uh it's never let circumstance dictate behavior is what energy is in our program so the juice box is a completely subjective like tool so it's it's just whoever appears as though they gave the most energy and whoever is the guy that like brought a lot of juice that day a coach we we might give out one juice box we might give out 10 uh at the end of practice it's and then the kid comes up and i don't know where that this happened it just had it they come up and either they like chug the juice box or they make a speech i don't know we just they have fun with it um <laughs> but at the end of the day it's something that like it's a tool for us where it's like hey this guy's this guy's working for a juice box and you'll see someone else run a little harder or like a guy that like the biggest one is you're diving all over the place in bp and in individuals like that's that's juice box material if you're a if you're a pitcher hitting fungo and you're picking up your teammates with two strikes, that's juice box material. Um, so again, it's a, it, it's a fun it's a fun thing to get guys like focused on what they can control. But I it was honestly it came went back to teaching. Like I felt like it was a, it's an external tool you might use in teaching, but our guys really like it and I I love it. It gets me fired up. Um, it gives them something to work for when those mundane tasks happen. But it's at the end of the day, it's it's fun. And like, even when we hit a home run, like what our guys do now is they throw them a juice box because that's, <laughs> nice. that's, what, you know, that's what, that's what we're about is bringing a lot of juice um, and having fun when we're out there, but it's, it's having fun working. You know what I mean? It's having fun. Like, like, like we do within the warning track, you have to be running. So like, rather than saying, Hey, you're being lazy. We say, that's not, that's not juice box material. You know what I mean? Yep. That's not bringing energy. Um, so I love it. I mean, and our guys love it. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be 80 years old coaching, dishing out high C orange to guys whenever they, whenever they hustle on and off the field and they die for baseballs. And, you know, that's just, that's just who we are, you know? That's right. Nothing wrong with that. And you gotta be who you are, man. You gotta be real. Uh, Cause kids see that first and foremost. Uh, dude, that's awesome. Um, so I guess, uh, so here's a coaching question for me. It's always like, how do you manage all that? You said, so you make it measurable with the quality of bats coming to class early, getting a binder done, the juice boxes. Are you doing that? Are you tallying each one of these guys when it's going on? How do you manage all that? Yeah, so it, it is somewhat overwhelming when you when you put all of it like in a if you just put that throw that all in a kid, yeah. um, or or an adult, it's not easy. Right. So this year, I feel that I've really like admittedly I could have done better last year with this being my first year, COVID. I mean, and these aren't excuses, but I'm just saying I needed to improve. So we sat down the summer as a staff and i was like what is how can we make this stuff more measurable so the first thing we did was we made i essentially made a curriculum for our culture so we sit down with them in meetings and we say this is what positivity is be an adder and it's a 20-minute presentation on how to add value in our program accountabilities don't talk about it be about it presentation on what accountability is communication intentional dialogue and body language we literally have a i flash up pictures of people's body language and they just write out what they're doing 
You know what I mean? And I go over what good and like the research and then like same with energy, never let circumstances dictate behavior. And then we unpack that throughout the whole year. So in our meetings, before practice, after practice, uh, they read a daily dominator every day. So it's a, it's by Brian Kane. It's a one page reader. They write down three things they're grateful for. They list a random act of kindness. They, they meditate, uh, they exercise every day. And we have had one guy this entire fall not complete their binder to like a peak performance, which, which I like last year, it was like, it felt like every day, like half the guys didn't have it. Now, all these guys are guys that we recruited, but additionally, where that has come from, I found, so circling back, is we, we sat down, we made this, we made this curriculum, we, we give them every single guy a binder that has all of our rules, all of our expectations, all this material, and then we put them in accountability groups. So there, there's four accountability groups, and they're named after our pillars, positivity, accountability, communication, energy. We, we assigned them lift groups for the entire fall. We signed them BP groups for the entire fall. Like you, you get them, you know, we put them yeah. on these groups. So the only thing that they had to focus on was dominating whatever task is in front of them. They're not worried about where they need to be. They're not worried about what positivity. They're not worried about any expectation. They can just go and attack it at hundred percent capacity with maximum effort and energy. Whereas I think last year, and I think COVID did this as well, is there was constant, just like cortisol running through their veins. Like, I don't know where I have to be. I don't know if I can play. I don't know where I'm going to play. You know what I mean? It all. Yeah. So I sat down. I was. It took a lot of time, but we listed out. Hey, this is your accountability group. This is how you get points. This is how you get juice boxes. This is how you become a valuable person in our program. Um, so we we have a coach over top each accountability group. Okay. So for example, rather than me saying, "Hey, text," like we got to text this guy because he needs to get this done. We make it a challenge. Hey, you have two hours to get this done. If everyone get whoever, whichever group gets it done first gets one point. Whichever group gets it done, if you get it done within this time, you get you know your whole team you know gets this. Um, so then it becomes you know Frankie's texting Johnny saying, hey, we got to get this done so we can all get the points because at the end of the you know at the end of the fall we get a prize. You know what I mean? Or we want to be the team that dominated every task um, rather than you know if I'm like, hey, you got to fill this out. There's nothing behind that, but we made we made every uh, mundane task into a character building opportunity or a challenge because we define grit like being gritty as um, you know dominating the mundane task. So you know gritty isn't rubbing dirt on yourself when you you know you get hit by a pitch or you know it's it's um you know accomplishing those mundane tasks at a really high level. So I the so again I I get a little long winded with this stuff, but and honestly, just it just goes back to having a plan. We have a plan where this is how every guy knows their role and adding value to our program. Um, so it, it's again, you'll see like like I think like a lot of football teams do it. You know, other teams do it. They do it differently than us. But um, I've I've been thrilled with where our guys have like we just did our challenge week where we split them into those accountability groups and competed every day at five a.m. We didn't have a single guy late because they're not there for themselves. They need to be early for the other 10 guys in their accountability group. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I always say like common struggles, what bring teams together. So like you think of like military, like guys in the military, their common struggles, finding the enemy or like the boot camp. Um, like CrossFit gyms have great community because yeah. their common, common, common enemy is the workout of the day. You know right. what I mean? That's their common enemy. 
Whereas I say for us, you know, I can be your common enemy if you wanted me to be. If you don't want to show up on time, you're not probably not going to like me very much because I'm going to hold you accountable every single time. Mm-hmm. But your common enemy should be an average team. That's your enemy is being an average person being because, you know, elite teams are teams that play in the regional um, because they have elite habits. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just having a plan. You can't execute a plan if you don't have one. I can always adapt a plan, but I can't execute it if I don't have a plan. So there's one thing I will be and it's prepared, you know, then because I can control that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, the only thing for me is always just a matter of like, it's just managing that from a cooking standpoint. So like just how you're able to keep, so like uh, what kind of like ideas do you have for like the end of the year, you know, putting all these points together for the end of fall? Is it like a, like your banquet? Do you have a banquet typically at the end? Or do you have like a, I guess like some type of a party or, a, you know, maybe the guys yeah. will serve the other team food or something like that. Well, we did that at West Virginia. We did like the steaks and PB and J's. So we do, so we had that, fall challenge it was like the winner um you know they get a prize and then we did we have like a fall world series where like the champions get like a bunch bunch of juice boxes taped together into a trophy um and then they get like a, a shirt but at the end of the fall um we do like an, a banquet and the team that has the most points gets like custom shoes is what we're gonna do um now I've come to, as you know, there's like production issues like everywhere right now. So <laughs> I didn't want to get shirts. I, if I if I ordered like shirts for them, I'd pr- they'd probably get it like next year. So we found that we're just going to order them shoes. And um, but to be honest, I I think that's secondary. Like I haven't even told the guys what they're going to get, and they're like competing their tails off because yeah, it, it's sure. you know what I mean. It's it's it, they want to compete for the guys with them. them, right? Yeah, that's but, a good point. I could give them a, like like a you know like a plain blue T-shirt, and I think they'd like fight each other over it at this point because they the two things that we sat down like were like we needed to get better at leadership opportunities and co- being competitive because I felt those were the two things that we struggled in. So we compete at like the end of every practice. We compete more in practice, and then we do more community service. So then we can see who our leaders are, and we can see who our competitors are. Um, so like when I say competition, like it might be tug of war, like like literally. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So we do like one-on-one tug of war. We do like a cone drill where it's like, by any means, get the cone. I mean, it's, it's like, it could be, uh, you know, uh, we did like a flex arm hang, like a plank. It's not always physical either. It could be like, we had the one day I had the four catchers all caught pens the whole day, like the whole, like essentially the whole first half of practice and their last round of BP, I had the whole team around the cage and we said, whoever barrels the most baseball, their team wins the challenge. So I mean, like, like because there's some guys who will get that and they'll thrive. They'll be like, hell yeah, and they'll they'll smoke six out of eight baseballs. And there's some guys who will swing and miss at eight straight when the three rounds before they hit everything hard. But I don't have that. So like I said this to them, you know, 5 a.m. this week. I said I can't recreate this guy throwing 97 and you having to pitch against one of the best hitters in the region. But I can recreate pressure. Like I know how to do that. I can recreate competition. Um, and pressure is pressure. Like I said, if I drop you in the ocean and you have to swim to shore, if you've never, if you've never sw- like done any, like swam a lap in your life, you're going to drown. But if you've, if you've practiced that pressure before, you have a far better chance of getting it. So, um, we just, like I said, it's, it'll be anything. Sometimes players are like, Hey, can we do this? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, and, you know, anything, anything to get them competitive. And I think there's some value in like you compete with your buddy and you want to fist fight him because you lost. 
but also having the ability to 10 seconds later, go eat, eat breakfast or lunch with them and, you know, cut it up because you need that experience of failure and how you're going to learn from it and also winning and how you're still going to be a good teammate. That's great. It's awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. Oh man. Well, I'm just uh, totally in, uh, and this is just right up my alley thinking about this kind of stuff, you know, and like you talked about the culture binder too, man, just kind of diving into a little bit of that because that's kind of, I guess kind of where we are. You're basically talking about how you are developing your culture and you're developing your competitors and the grit, mm-hmm. your, your grit guys and um, you know, how you're valuing um, you know, the, those guys who are within your group. So um, I guess, was that part of, I mean, is, is the binder really something that you come out with during classroom stuff? Or is that something that they have homework? How do you yeah. kind of work out the culture binder? Um, so they get a, you know what I'm here. I'll show you. I got one right here. Cool. So they get a, this is actually last year's. It's, it's pretty much the same though, but they get a binder with like their name on the front. Um, and then let's, and then they have like the you know, essentially it's like, you know, just not being a jerk, our code of conduct on the back, but within the binder, <laughs> yeah, within the, within the binder is like what paces, um, our expectations, like their team contract, their groups and all that stuff. But that's, that's secondary, um, to what it is like the, like what I said, like the binder is a representation of your commitment to the team. So you bring, they bring that with them everywhere. So like I always say, if you're if you have to ask me if I should bring my binder, just bring it. Like bring it to lift, bring it to practice, bring it to the cafeteria. That's that's your that's the team that's the team you're holding right there. You know what I mean? That's your commitment to the team. So what they do in the binder is that's where they take like their hitters their hitters meeting notes, their pitchers meeting notes, their their uh, you know like their daily dominator. Everything is in that binder. So then. Um, because like my opinions with culture are, I think every team you like, you know, you have kids on visits, every team's like, yeah, we have a great culture. Like I want to be able to sit down and show you, no, 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 this is what we're doing to reinforce it. Like, this is what we do every day to reinforce it. Because like, like I, I truly believe it goes character process result. So like I have to reinforce character before I can teach them a process before I can get an efficient result. So the most like, People are like, yeah, we have a great group of guys. We have character. And this isn't, again, I'm not thinking of like any program in general, but like me, it's like, yeah, like we stunk last year, but I knew how to, like I developed character within those players. You know what I mean? Like we, we did things that I've never seen before. And I was extremely proud of those players because of the character we saw. But then on the other side, if the guys aren't bought into developing their character and being better people, I mean, it's evident because they won't do their binder. They won't carry this with them and they're not going to last. Um, so it, to me, it's on one side, it's it's huge with development because I can literally see if the guys are committed to the, this culture. Because are they filling out the information they need to? Are they retaining any of it? And then we are explaining to them what habits look like. What like we even go we go as far as you can't cross your arms, put your hands on hips, and practice. It's it's negative body language. Sixty to seventy percent of communication is done through body language. So mm-hmm. if a guy's if I, if I see a guy on campus and he's sitting in class like this. I mean, like with his arms crossed, I know, I know he's not bought into what we're doing because he's not retaining what we're talking about. But if, if like we require front of class, no phones, when I, if I'm walking through the academic building, I see, and I see a class of tw- like 20 baseball guys and they're fighting over the first seats. That's what I want. You know what I mean? Like that's, to me, that's more commitment than them hitting a double because they're doing the little things when no one, when I'm not there. Um, 
So the binder, the binder is just a representation of the program. It's where they keep all their notes. And then we actually have a Google Drive that has all of our like baseball side stuff and then our culture stuff on it. So it's like our presentations. Um, it's like our videos. And then, so we meet, like I said, we meet in the mornings. And then honestly, it's just, it's like, like we just throw at them those mundane tasks and like we scaffold it. So like we actually just changed how we break out. Like, like we go through the pillars when we break, you know what I mean? Cause we breathe, uh, everyone touches everybody before and after practice. And then we break, like we're constantly scaffolding up because if, like you said, if I threw everything at them to start the year, it would just, it would just be chaos. Um, right. But I hope I hope that answered your question. I felt like I was circling a little bit. No, there. it did. No, that was great. No, that that was great. You know, you 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 hit on the. It's a commitment. I love how you talked about. You know, like they bring it all the time. It really just shows that just I'm all in. It shows buy in for sure. Reinfor- and then the binder itself reinforces the program. Uh, you've got hitter pitcher. You basically mental notes through your daily dominator. Um, the Google Drive is also like an electronic version of that. And then, uh, so you talk about the meeting in the morning. So is that where you kind of also reinforce the, or like maybe like there might be pages that you're trying to, okay, we're going to talk about the definition. We're going to define what these values are. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I think it's like, we have scheduled for, to meet three days a week. Um, but it just, it just matters. Like, so for today, like today we didn't meet, but tomorrow we are meeting. So the first, like I said, the first four are pretty black and white. It's those four pillars. Um, but then, like, we we met and talked about, like, grit. Like, that was one of the – we talked about what grit looks like. Um, and they took notes. So, like, some meetings are simply just, like, we call it, like, PGMs, Personal Growth Mondays. We'll go through and go over, like, some sort of activity or, like, a, like we, we did a study. Um, it was uh, – I, I saw it was, like, it was um, a shot that Kawhi Leonard made over Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to like go to the finals the one year. Um, I don't know if you want, but like we talked about like how Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are both there to block out, but they both like both overrun the play. Ben Simmons didn't run before that. And those are all habits. You know what I mean? Like they're in the biggest game of their career, but they can't accomplish what they want to do because they half asked it for however many months before in those reps. Um, but those are, you know, so it just honestly depends on what we need. Um, but I have, like I said, I have a whole curriculum set out. So it's like the same thing. When I taught high school math for a little bit. I might be planning to go over sine, cosine, and tangent. But if we don't, if we don't know how to divide and multiply, I'm going to step back and, you know, teach my kids what they need. So, for example, if, if we need a lesson on, you know, accountability, because that's what we need right now, we, I just circle back and do a different presentation. Um, mm-hmm. so those morning meetings that we go in, um, we, we break out, we, everyone claps. Someone says, how are we feeling? They say elite back. Um, we start, it starts, it goes, why, how, what, whatever the presentation is, why we need it, how we can accomplish it, what it is. Um, and then, and then that's it. So it's, it's like, I always like 15, 1% of your day is like 14 minutes and 28 seconds. So my goal is I want to be right at, 15 minutes because i always say like hey you got one percent better before you went to class um and then we yeah that that's pretty and i also found i didn't like doing it before because i want them to go to the field they show their binder to their accountability coach and then just go play like you already have the practice plan you've already done your mental notes you you did your breathing you got your touches up you broke out now go work your tail off for you know three hours 
and have fun doing it as opposed to like you have to sit and listen to me talking more you know what i mean just just go fun and have fun competing with your teammates awesome love it love it man how have you how so is this is this making it pretty clear uh for guys who are bought in is it how how has recruiting helped with with this you know as you're basically presenting this to guys well um i I mean and you you know this as well as your best recruiting tool is your current players so i found um we brought in a lot of you know really talented players we also brought in a lot of players that you know like we're taking chances on you know but what i found is like so we did that last week we did those 5 a.m workouts it was a grind like i mean i live an hour away i mean i'm waking up at 3 a.m to get there and i'm i'm fired up because it's exactly what you know i'm excited but we got like the biggest thing is guys are posting videos of themselves on their stories at like 4 4 30 at the field they're posting videos of our guys you know dripping with sweat after two hours and they have like their buddies then are like, Hey, what do you, you know, I want to do that. Whereas what I found is like, if you have a guy that wants to work out at 5am, like you can play for me, you know, any day of the week. Um, but you know, whereas if we have the majority of the guys who are posting online, like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to do that. Those are the kind of guys you get. So that's just one example. But I found that like your players aren't going to lie. You know what I mean? Like they might tell their, like they might tell their buddies if they're pissed off, they're not playing. But they're not going to be able to tell them that they're not prepared and that we don't have we don't value our culture and that they're not playing in front of scouts and that they're not, you know, being developed. Um, they can't lie about that. I mean, if they do, they shouldn't be in our program anyway. So I found that really helps. But then the proof is in the pudding. Like we go and play teams. Um, we, we have our facilities have grown Im- immensely. But at the end of the day, the people are what get you there. Like. Like, I would hope that, you know, we talk or if I go talk to somebody else, you're like, hey, he's really about it. He's building something there. When if I'm just not authentic and and I don't have an answer for questions or like I'm not authentic with the kids or the coaches, it just doesn't work. So it's been great recruiting, honestly. Like we're bringing in players I I didn't think I would ever get, you know, here right now at this time. Um, But, you know, I I think at the end of the day, you just got to be yourself. Like I said, like we, we said a little bit of like if I'm trying to be some other coach, or trying to emulate another program, it's just not going to work out. Like I got to be the we, Salem and myself. We got to be the best at like what, like I got to be the best JT Heenan because that's all I know how to do. So right, that's really really helped with recruiting. That's great. I'm glad. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's number one. They you need to be real. Be real. Be honest. Be there. You know, like it's just mm-hmm. it's where it's at, man. It's hundred percent. So that's awesome. I'm glad it's working out because I got to see like even just for the set like you're gonna get guys like wow, it's just like. It's, yeah, it's too much or like wow like that's i'm all about it and but mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure that allows people definitely like you said from your developmental standpoint uh you're, you're definitely seeing that you can definitely if a guy's going to be in it for the long haul he can definitely get a lot better mm-hmm. for sure um oh man gross awesome stuff um just thinking about i guess another question i had too i had a, i had a question because I, I just loved it is uh you talked a little about your hitting journals, just kind of circling back to that, you know, I guess, so I'm digging into the binder itself, um, mm-hmm. the hitting journals, like, what do you qualify? Cause like, I've had journals that are really long. I believe really like, where kind of you've settled, you know, I guess this is your, you know, you've done the, you've done the binder now multiple years, where have you kind of settled on like, what was is it just blank? Does, it, does a hitter just talk about his at bats or talk about his day or how do you kind of uh, structure that? 
Um, so it goes back to like, we give them the tools and then they use them as they need to. So I am, I'm not like, I don't like, like, Hey, you just hit yesterday. Give me your binder. If you don't have yeah. done your cut. Um, so what we do is there's, there's a couple of things that are mandatory. So they need to have their green and red light routines is what we call it. Um, so like your green is your go routine. So like when you're in the box, like your breath and then what you do between pitches and then your red light routine is your routine when you need to stop. So whether it's a bad play, bad call, you shouldn't have swung at that, you should have swung at that, big moment, you'll hear guys like, hey, hit a red light, and that's what they go to. So that's like the first thing in their binder. They write a copy for them, they give a copy to me. Um, the other thing we require is like, we have all our hitting like routines in the back of our binder. Um, they need to master their own routine. So like pregame, um, you know, maybe on the road at home, we have them write that out. And then when it comes to like actual, like hitting journal material, um, I give them like a structure. So I have like two PDFs. Um, it's like, it's some guys, which, you know, which I, this is how I was. They put like what they saw for every pitch, what they did between pitches, like what they did with their breath. They'll, you know, some guys, like you said, it'll be like, you know, like a full paragraph structured out. Cause I have like each at bat. Um, some guys like they don't, they'll journal at the end of the game. Um, they'll journal like what they did, what they saw because in game, they don't like to unpack. And then other guys, their biggest journaling tools are during BP. So like, so for example, I, there's a, like a kid, he like hit three homers the other day in an inner squad. And so his biggest, his biggest takeaway from the game was, I need to do what I did before today's game, next game. You know what I mean? Like my routine needs to match this routine. You know what I'm saying? So um, what the biggest thing is like we, like with their preparation is what I want to see. But I just constantly reinforce, like if I ever see a guy in a scrimmage or a practice after an at-bat, like taking notes in their hitter's journal, I literally, that's juice box. Hey, Jared Palmyra, every time he hits, he is in his binder writing out what his feels were. He gets a juice box rather than like, like, a, like they like the stick or the carrot theory. I'm sure you've heard of that. Like the carrot in front of the donkey, you want to go get it. Or you have to be the stick. Me, me whipping guys. Cause they don't have their binders. Like their, their hitters journals done. Doesn't do me any good. Um, so we, we just really give them, like, I, like I said, I have like four pages of just like every game, what they could like, what was your, like, what were you looking for in that at bat? Like, what you know, um, so it, it's honestly just a format for them to go run with as the building that. So like right now, the point we're at is they already have the green and the red lights and stuff. They're now like at the point where they're mastering their pregame routine. So our next hitters meeting, that's like their homework for the hitters are, you need to write out what your pregame routine is. Um, you need to write out what you, what you do if you can't hit your pregame routine. So say for example, at home, your pregame routine is front toss, these rounds BP, going to the indoor facility and hit if we're on the road you might not have that opportunity so you can't let your whole game be shattered because of that so um again it's one of those things when we go into our first game this year we go to savannah state this year who's a really good team i want to be as prepared as we can be so you know if we get if we if we sweep or we get swept i'm gonna be like all right at least we gave it you know we gave it our best shot and our hitters were prepared um so again that's my system i've just found if i force guys to write in their hitters journal they just literally write things because I'm telling them to, as opposed to whatever they need. Um, but then we, we use that journal too, for like meetings. So we do like, I have like a, I have a 600 
600 slide hitters meeting presentation that we just unpacked throughout the year of like embedded with videos and stuff. Um, yeah. Us. Solid, man. Um, just thinking, uh, like, I mean, I think all good, I mean, at some level, you know, whether writing or just simply talking about it or simply taking the time to think about it, reflect mm -hmm. about what they did, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whether guys really wrote about it, pen to paper, mm -hmm. or texted about it or talked to somebody about it or literally just sat in a shower and thought about it. Yeah. Good hitters, good hitters are going to visualize and reflect on that. So I think mm -hmm. uh, it's really nice that you kind of have that, you know, uh, guys are writing in it somehow. You know, mm -hmm. you do have the, you say, you said every pitch to, you know, kind of having the blank canvas where guys can just kind of uh, write their thoughts down, which is really cool. Wow. Um, how do you do that on the pitching side? So like, it sounds like, you know, you're really all about that with pitching. So do, do pitchers have that time to reflect on their performance as well? Yeah. So we have, so it's coach Gaines is our pitching coach has done a phenomenal job with this. So we have like, they're essentially like a, like a black and white bullpen report. So it's like we chart every pitch, locations, velos, um, you know, that's all there, like essentially written out for them. There are videos embedded in it. And then at the bottom, uh, Coach Gaines took it's like essentially like a, like a, I guess a subjective, uh, subjective version of pace. It's like, so they go through like, you know, how did you feel you performed? What, what kind of preparation did you have before? What are, what are things that you think you could do better? Like, you know, Similar questions to that. I mean, I can pull up exactly what they say, but then the player goes through and they type that out. They have like, I think it's like 24 hours after you throw your bullpen or live, you need to get that completed because then as, as coaches, we look at that and like, Oh, you know, this guy threw three miles per hour harder today. He was an absolute savage on the mound. And then we go through and he's like, he, he added a, he added something to his band routine and it made him feel better. So it's a form of accountability for both of us to where if I'm coaching that player, I'm like, dude, you, you skipped that in your mobility routine and you threw way more efficiently. Or you did an extra five minutes of breathing that day and you felt more loose on the mound. Where that, that doesn't get seen in the, in the velo report to where at the bottom. So it's like, like so it's the same thing. Like for hitters, it's quality at bats and barrel percentage. And then their hitter's journal. For the pitchers, it's bullpen reports. And then them reflecting on their bullpen or their live outing. Um, so we even go as far as with pitchers um if they don't complete that like if a hitter doesn't have his hitter's journal if a pitcher doesn't do his bullpen report they cannot participate the next day like they can't partic like a pitcher if he doesn't want to like they only throw it twice a week if they don't like live you know what i mean and if they don't get their bullpen report done they, they they have they have to miss their next outing because that's that information is just as important as the velos and the locations and the results because that's how we collect data on how to make you successful and how you collect data which is way more important on how to be successful. Um, so that's the coach Gaines has really done. Like, honestly, I've let him kind of like, he's the pitching coach. So I'm like, Hey, this is what I want, but make it your own. But he did a really good job of like, obviously scaffolding off of what I do and making mastering it to a really high level with the pitchers. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it creates ownership. Like you said, you got to no doubt helps to create ownership of the process, you know, of their routine mm -hmm. and they take into their, uh, their bullpen or their outing, their performance. Mm -hmm. Super stuff. Super good. Super good. Yes, yeah, so that's always one of that. That's always great. Yeah, the hitters journal and their uh, the uh, when and when you're videoing bullpens, is it from a standpoint of 
you're just looking at is, is it just a stance to go back and track balls and strikes? Is it a chance to look at mechanics or I guess maybe all of the above? Like what are your really key points they're looking at when you video bullpens? Um, so Coach Gaines, I would say, looks at bullpens differently than I look at like when guys throw live. So he's he's the pitching coach. So he looks more at like mechanics. Um, he might and he does he does what I he's gonna look at what I look at as well, but look at like maybe effectiveness of pitches. Um, biggest thing too is like body language between pitches, like um, you know, bad call. How are they reacting? Uh, maybe a hit. Are they hitting their red light? Um, are they backing up bases? Are they feeling sorry for themselves? Are they feeling good about themselves? It, it, that's really the biggest thing I look at. Um, but then it also just depends on the guy. Like Coach Gaines will, like he'll, my pitching coach, he'll record like their drill work, their weighted ball work, so we can see like, hey, where does he come? Even when he's doing his, you know, pivot picks in September, is where's he at for uh, February? Um, but it, it just depends on the guy. I mean, like you said, all of the above, but for me personally, as a head coach, when I look at video, it's more of like a pitchers. It's more of like, what is it that they're doing between pitches that makes them successful or, you know, hinders their success. Um, as opposed to fortunately, I have a really good coaching staff to where coach Gaines is looking at more of what mechanics are going to make him successful. And then for him, the, the mental stuff's a little more secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's diving into the detail. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And even just on path, mechanical stuff, trying to throw in programs. It's understandable. Hmm, very cool. Oh, awesome. All right, so that was, cool. that was a question. Loved it. Love it. Love it. Coleman. So how do you measure? So you love to measure stuff. So I'm at a question. It's hmm. like, and because I do too. How do you measure and what do you measure defensively? Um, so that's something we've like new this year. Um, so we measured like in-game stuff last year. Um, but in practice, we just simply chart like reps and plus or minus. So Pete Romzik, who was actually, he was the graduate assistant when I was hired at Salem as an assistant coach. He did like a scoring scale, which we don't do at this point, but it was like a like it was pretty subjective where you give like a plus two if it you know was a great play or like a minus two if it was like a routine like an error that like should have been routine play that should have been made um but how we we chart defensively uh we chart like lack of effort and then we also chart like like pace play so if a guy like makes like a high effort play or like he's in the right position or backs up backs up a base we chart that but defensively it's simply just we chart like the rep they get and then plus or minus, And then we put like descriptions as to what the rep was. So like a great example would be if, if we found that in, we're like trying to make an evaluation as to who's to play shortstop, but one guy's had three times more opportunities than the other guy. We just have to make sure that, uh, that the guy who's got less opportunities that we're trying to evaluate with gets those reps. So it's, it's honestly more of a form of accountability. I would say it's definitely something we can expand on. Um, but to be candid, it's just not a, it's it's not as much at the the forefront like as to what the reps look like. More of what we found is we need to get them more repetitions to evaluate defensively. Like I'm, I think I think more specifically um, infield because I work with the catchers, but you know we're we're pretty much overhauling our whole infield. So it's been really nice to look and say, hey, this guy's taking a bunch of reps, and this is what percentage he's out of effectiveness. So it's a simple, just, it's just a data sheet and we just charge. 
Right. And so you're allowing to see everyone. It's apples to apples. You know, make sure that those guys are getting the reps so that you can make a proper evaluation. Absolutely. And that's still great. That's still good. So is this in practice and in games? Like you, you found you found a tool that you like to use for practice and games? Yeah, I, I've, I found it's obviously way easier in games because there's only one baseball gun at a time. Um, right. But like in in practice, it's just we we t- we go back and as a staff look through and there's always one guy charting during, you know, our work. So like even in BP, there's a guy throwing, there's, you know, but then there's always a guy charting eggs of velos and barrels. You know, um, so same with like infield work or outfield work, whether it's a pitcher or a player, I mean, a pitcher or a coach, um, that, that, that job is equally as important as the guy who's fungoing or, you know, throwing BP because that's that's the stuff that we can hang our hat on is like oh well this guy is at this position right now and this is what he's doing so on the other side of it though if you're competing to play shortstop um it's gonna it's gonna encourage you to take more reps at shortstop if that makes sense like it's so if you made like three straight errors the last time you were out like maybe you can try to supplement that by getting more reps um you know but again as you know you could (laughs) end up making more errors but um percentage could hopefully get better Yeah, I mean, just defensively, for me, it's always a matter of, I mean, if you were going at it from a, uh, you're trying to analyze, I mean, because like right now there's like the lanes, if you wanted to like, you wanted to track the lanes and where guys kind of an error analysis, mm-hmm. you know, like where they're at within their lanes and how they're, you know, what certain baseballs that they are. So it sounds like you're trying to do it more holistic of, yeah, you know, are you making a certain type of play? And then the note section is, okay, he was he was at the place he should have been during this position. Yeah. And, you know, the effort wasn't there, things like that. Yeah, well, so we'll do like – so, for example, today, um, our infield work was we have three bases, and it was red runners, yellow runners, green runners, and then we rotated through positions. So, like, second base are working on red runners, like throwing with a red runner running shortstop was yellow and then third was green so when we go back through our data it's like man so and so had like like threw four balls away it's like well it's because it was he was working on green runners mm-hmm. you know what i mean and then when we go like we do slow rollers tomorrow we'll have all that data and then when we do like like backhands and then forehands and then slow roll like we rotate through the infield that way we'll have all that data as well so we don't track like specifically lanes um in practice and because it's it, honestly, it's just not something we do. Um, like we said, well, I value the whole, the holistic thing where like, who's going to make the most plays, who's going to like our shortstop should be the guy that's take, taking the most reps and has the highest percentage of effectiveness. Um, so yeah. So again, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like, like I know exactly what you're talking about or like, like, Hey, this is what the lane they're in. This is what they're doing. So then we yeah. can adapt. But um, we, we've really put a focus on, um, you know, identifying what drill work we need as a whole team. Um, Cause we're pretty young. So we found that, you know, giving them all the ample opportunities really worked out. Whereas if we give them a lot of reps, they can kind of make their own bed, I guess is the best way to put it as to who can play where. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. I think that goes back to knowing who you are, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. you're still For here sure. doing what you're doing. And like you said, that's what your team needs at young right now. You know, mm-hmm. next year could be different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's the truth. Next year could be different. That's just kind of where you are. So that's awesome, man. Um, awesome stuff. Yeah, those are the two things that I had there. Um, 
just reviewing that. Oh, I like the red, yellow, and green runners for sure. Do you will you do that from the offensive standpoint too? Like, let's say you know you kind of put your guys in buckets from an offensive category. Oh, too. oh yeah, they uh, we actually put them in buckets hitters as well. That's something something we are actually like now we're going to program for starting next week because we feel like we have the data to put them classifying. So we hitters we have wall busters, uh, gap to gap, and then grinders. So it's so. So a grinder would be like an Ichiro where they can bunt for a hit. They can put a ball over somebody's head, but realistically it's a guy who can run and do like, you know, might maybe put a ball in the six hole and he's on first Um, gap to gap is your more true hitter. Um, I was like, you know, like a, like a Michael Brantley or Mookie Betts. Uh, And then wall busters. The best way I put wall busters is you have to put it over the left fielder's head in order to be on second base. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like you, that's that's your that's so again for some reason guys don't like like not most guys but some guys are like hey i don't want to be a grinder i want to be a wall buster i'm like well that that run might not just a, yeah run you know what i mean yeah exactly um it's your so, value of getting a second base is basically what you're saying like how are you exactly getting a, like, your value as sure. offensive player is how you get the second base mm-hmm. we all know you yeah. ain't stealing it you ain't stealing for second. sure so <laughs> so when it comes offensively like so there's those groups like in the box. So when I send out the lineups for the week, so like when we scrimmage, cause we double header, we split them into four inner squad groups and we double header Thursday, double header Friday. Um, they're highlighted green, yellow, or red. So if you're green, you are green to run the whole weekend. Okay. If you are yellow, you, you might get a steal or you might get the green light and then red, you already know you're not stealing. So what that has done for our players is like, some guys have been promoted from from yellow to green because they were like, Hey, I want to steal more bases. So we give them the opportunity to have done it. Some guys have been demoted, not because of speed, but because they, but at the end of the day, it's, it's become like a, it's a form of competition where guys, like guys are close to me. Like I'm going to be green by the end of the semester. I'm like, great. I would love, love for you to be a green runner by the end of the semester. But you know, when we do our conditioning or like you're going to need to run on your own because you're a seven, four runner. You know what I mean? Um, but then some guys it's, you know, I had one player who's like, I'm, I'm not going to be the slowest guy on the team. I was like, I would love that to happen. You know, I'm on the same team as you here. I'd love for you to get faster, but I think it's, that's something we've changed this year where our personnel also has put us in a position where we can run a lot more. Um, like you said, how can you get to second base? We had a lot of guys last year who they had to, they literally had to hit it off the wall in order to be in second and it would be close. Whereas this year, we have quite a few guys with two strikes. If they put a ball in play, I mean, there's a chance they're they're getting on base because they're that fast. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I, I it's it's made it a lot more exciting to be honest. Is given those guys just it's nice to have a guy on first you can green light as opposed to not having a guy on first you can green light. Yeah, is that mostly just based off of speed? Is it still based off of your data during games? Um, so. It's it's both. I mean, I would say right now, um, it's based off of like we're we're letting them fail still, if that makes sense. So it's like if you want to run, if you're highlighted as green and you want to run, just run because then we can look at the data. Like in like we go compete against you know, PSAC, NBC schools. I'm not just like hey, you can run. You know what I mean? Like there needs to be like data we've collected to say hey, this guy stole like 15 bases in the fall. Like he might be, he's definitely going to be a guy that we can run. Yeah. Um, so as of, as of right now, it's speed, um, I would say like, and a base running ability. We do base running every single day. Um, 
So, I mean, it's, it's the data we've collected on like speed, uh, what they're doing in games. But I would say, like you said, this time right now is just like, we coach them up. Like we do three days, full practice, uh, meetings and you know, all that stuff. And then on the, like when they go play Thursday, Friday, it's go compete and we'll evaluate and then adapt to what each guy needs and what our team needs. Um, yeah. How do you, you talk about programming. So how do you program the difference between a wall buster and a gap to gap guy? What's the biggest uh, difference in programming? So I actually have listed like different BP rounds. I would say a lot of it's like has to do with approach and what pitches they're seeing in BP. So the biggest, I would say the biggest difference would be like a grinder and a wall buster. Okay, so yeah, sure. like, like a grinder is like picture your little guy that can bump for a hit or slash. Yeah. Or he's bounce the ball in the have butt rounds, right? Than the wall buster. He, he's gonna have a he's gonna have a slash round. He's gonna have a his two strike approach needs to be vastly different than the wall buster's two strike approach. Sure. Like like the you wall buster. Like wall buster's approach. Yeah, to me, it's like you still you still have to hit it over somebody's head. So, That's I mean, right. You know what I mean? So where a grinder is, if you if you essentially swinging bunt a ball down the third baseline, you might be on second, like the next pitch. Right. Um. So the the biggest programming is their BP rounds and then uh they're like they're we do front toss before like a front like you know their pre at bat work is gonna be different. Um but right now where we're at is we have eight different like three so essentially it's like three days of training according to like a focus. So it might be like backside drive, front side push, like bat path week. Um we did like a you know, like a timing and rhythm week. We did a like, like VLO training, like off speed training. Um, and I scaffolded that like according to like from the feet up. So with the first, the first week was timing and barrel awareness. And then we did like, um, what was that? And then it was the backside drive week. So that gave me a better idea of where are all these hitters at? You know what I mean? And like, what are they doing in games? What is, what are, what's their identity? Not the identity I give them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like if I have a guy who he's claiming to be, you know, a grinder in the box, but he hits like he's, he's two fifty and he hits all balls off the wall. I might be like, dude, like you, you can hit the ball off the wall. Like, like maybe hit some more doubles. You know what I mean? Make that your identity. Um, but giving them, like you said earlier, giving them ownership to what their routine is. It was the first step. And then we got, we're at the point now where we're actually stepping into next week. It's like, these are the rounds that I think you should take um pre-game these are the rounds that i think we need you like would make you a better player um and then just adapting from there so biggest the biggest part of that programming is um giving them like the preparation and the the rounds that they need before they go into play okay yeah it makes sense yeah a lot of bp stuff for sure especially bp and station i'm just thinking station work too that you would have you know if you got doing some station stuff you know with oh you mean like like dry drills and possibly like that or? it could be i mean I'm not, i don't know if do you, is it just just is a pro i'm just wondering what your programming would entail you know like i know sometimes you know if i was programming guys certain guys i mean that would also be like our cage work during practice not necessarily just, just yeah bp don't get me wrong that's definitely sure. like but it will get into like cage stuff too yeah so um we have like so what they're doing in the indoor facility or on the field uh, that's going to be accommodated more independently as opposed to um, like what group they're in. So like, okay. for example, today I had two, two left-handed hitters that they were doing their 
their their like vat path stuff, but the the antecedent to their issues with their vat path had to do with their legs. You know what I mean? Like they weren't getting their legs on time, so then they had to dive at everything. Um, so I'm going to accommodate their their pre BP rounds to that. Um, but again, like I have listed out like what those front toss drills are, what drill work they should do. Like we have like literally in our our plan is we have a section for what machine work they should attack the four like BP rounds they should do the four like front toss rounds they should do um, like what the machine. And then like we have dry drills according to what, like, so essentially like the vitamin C to keep your swing healthy. Yep. You know what I mean? Like these, that, that's, that's all within our programming. Um, and then I actually have a, like a, like an Excel sheet that, that goes from as simple as dry swing T all the way to machine work. That's like, listed out to what each so like hey i'm i'm not getting my legs on time or my bat path's bad or i can't hit a pitch away they can literally go to that excel click on the the section they want and it gives them all the drills that they would need um to accommodate so it's like a it's like a hitting development plan yeah. according to like whatever i get like whatever is sick within your swing or whatever it's like a hitting doctor to. exactly exactly yeah. it's, uh, they're like i got a sickness um, coach but 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 to be to be candid like the like you said the programming the stuff outside of their bp rounds that that's that's pretty independent like that's pretty like like there's two wall busters that are like two wall busters in a group or grinders in a group that their their routines and like whatever rounds i assign them before they go into the the box might be completely different and they're like they almost look like exactly the same hitter um it's just whatever whatever they need at that time but biggest thing is when you get in the box that's when we start charting so that's like where i'm evaluating if that makes sense yeah for sure that makes total sense i, I appreciate it man that was good i love the three different hitters and that's great you kind of took like Deggs is you know deg you know matt Deggs is always about his buffalo and his dirt and then you just kind of made it your own you know that's great you know and mm-hmm. and you define what those were and then your green yellow red runner is great and i love how you have it for both sides because then it's easily to know like hey you know like we're doing it's offense. We know, hey, these are green runner. He's a red runner. And that's easy, you know, mm-hmm. easy well, scout stuff too. It's also cool. Like we'll scrimmage, so everybody knows the the other the, if the other guys are red or green or yellow. So you'll hear them like verbalize it to each other, like, hey, like yellow runner, you know what I mean? Like or green runner, got to get it out. And I'm like, yeah. it's like we have scouting reports, but they're just guys on your team because it's you know. So we will have those on their wrist during games, but I mean, it's it's just interesting that like I'm like, oh, you actually did read you know, the yep. practice plan, you know what I mean? Which is good, which is a good problem to have. But Absolutely. I just think it's, you know, guys will talk trash to each other. Like, Hey, you're only yellow and I'm green. And I'm, I'm like, how old are we? But seriously, it's, it's, it's cool to, it's cool to see that guys are bought into like things that, you know, I value too, which is having the ability to run. Mm-hmm. Just the ability of being prepared too. For sure. That's awesome. No, that's great. Wow. So we've, we've rocking it, man, for over an hour now, buddy. So man, that was, that was quick. That was really quick. Um, man, is, is there anything that you'd like to get into? Maybe we haven't touched base. Like, is there something that you'd like to get into last, maybe parting words, something in conclusion here, man? Cause you really got through it all, man. It was awesome. Went a lot. Um, nothing I can really think of, think of off the top of my head. I mean, is there anything else, you know, um you can i mean you gave a whole list of stuff there but yeah um, i thought we covered a lot you did you covered a ton you know from the culture and then we got into just your red yellow green runners and 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 classifying your hitters and how you're doing that and that oh man it was really super great um 
I, I mean, let's say if more people want to ask more about it, man, what's the best way to contact you, get in touch with you? Um, so, I mean, you can have, like email me. Uh, it's just james.heenan at salemu.edu. But then they can, I guess, follow me or reach out to me on Twitter. It's just heenan underscore hacks. Um, as you know that, but Eden underscore um, hacks H A C K S. That's actually a funny story. That when I was at West Virginia, um, Cody Atkinson, who's now the uh, hitting coordinator with the Rangers, he was our volunteer, and I was a GA. And they, I don't know if you've you've been to Mon County, how they have that mattress store and center now. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they were building that when I was there, um, and. So one day it was me, Cody Atkinson, and Chase Illig, who he's now in AAA with the Yankees. And somebody go, what? Somebody said, what are they building out there? And Cody, for, I don't know why he said it, but he turns out, I was like, oh, that's JT's hitting facility. They're going to call it Heenan Hacks. Like, you know, like Heenan Hacks. Yeah. And for, for some reason, it like stuck within a, within a few people. And I started hitting with guys and like, you know, like I'll send out like, I actually send out like morning messages five days a week. Like a like a like a mental message five days a week. I've done it for like four years now, and it turned into it went from like heen and hacks to like heen and hacks. You know what I mean? Like like a like a hack to something. Um, so it works both ways. So for my buddy my buddy Chase, like I lost the bet, so he's like you have to change all your social media to heen and hacks. So, <laughs> so that's what it is now. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun. You know, it's, but that's 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 my name now. That's it. Heenan Hacks, man. Heenan Hacks. Great follow. Great follow. Love the stuff that you're hey, doing there, man. It's awesome. It's awesome stuff. You as well. Coach JT Heenan just crushing it with some great information. Diving into his program from his culture binder, which talks about his core covenants, black and white bullpen report, get into his green light, red light moments from his in his hitter's journals. planning out his personal growth Mondays. They always start every program out with the why, how, and what. You can just tell the process that he has, the systems in place to get those kids from where they are to where they want to be, to get them better is, is, is great stuff. He's doing, the, he's doing the hard work. He's in the trenches, you know, building a program, helping it grow. Anything else that you'd like to reach out to him for, again, email him at james.heenan at salemu.edu. Heenan, H-E-E-N-A-N, james.heenan at salemu.edu. Twitter DM at heenan underscore hacks, H-A-C-K-S, heenan underscore hacks. You'll get a chance to talk about him more about his his bucketing, wall busters, gap-to-gap grinder guys, how he's programming those guys, his culture binder and all the curriculum that he has from the things that they need from focus to adversity to grit and how they have defined their core values in their program. All the things that they have measuring their offensive guys from quality at bats to their juice box guys. Love the juice box guys and handing their juice box out. And uh, know they got to bring the juice each time, and he's talked about the carrot and the stick, you know, handing out the juice boxes, not cracking or whip and not being so, um, I guess, more punishable and rather than he's rewarding what he wants, praising what he wants. It's great stuff. So uh, I'll constantly evaluating, constantly with those measurables. Uh, I love the, the 
the highlight, the insight he talked about there with the 35-man roster, that Division one has got to get it right. He can Division two, you can get a chance to take take more of a chance on a guy. And just has the good program in place. And, it's, and as we talked offline, just wanting to continue to learn, making sure that, you know, in the next three years we are tweaking things, we're working on something, we're, we're trying new things, and as we are moving forward, we continue to get better. So, loved it. Loved the conversation. Coach Heenan, can't thank you enough. Again, can't thank Will Mine and those guys at Netting Pros as well be part of the Netting Pros family chat. And again, thank you for you guys for hanging out with us. Appreciate it. Please uh, feel free to give me any feedback. TreyTCobb at gmail.com. My Twitters are open at Coach3Cobb on Twitter. Happy to talk with you and share anything that I might have or happy to help in any way I can. So, until next week, keep getting better.